Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about the 12 steps to healing and running with a metatarsal stress fracture. So the big question is this, how are runners like us, who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. Now, there really are 12 steps to healing and running on a metatarsal stress fracture. The very first step when you have a metatarsal stress fracture is you have to confirm you actually have a metatarsal stress fracture. You need an appropriate diagnosis. You need to make sure that that's what is causing the trouble. Now, that may seem elementary, but the fact is a lot of runners think they have a metatarsal stress fracture and they have something else. So you have to make sure that it really is a metatarsal stress fracture, that it's not something like a neuroma or a plantar plate sprain or tenosynovitis or some other condition that might be causing trouble on the top of your foot, just sort of masquerading as a metatarsal stress fracture. So that's step number one. Now there are basically three different ways you can do that. One way you can do that is to do a self-diagnosis, to figure it out yourself, to you know go through, um, figure out what you have to do, how you push on it, what it sounds like, what it looks like, all of that, and that's really easy to do. In the metatarsal stress fracture course, that's what we're walking you through. So we're going to show you exactly how I do that with patients and how you can do that yourself. So that's one way is to do it yourself, to figure out whether or not you really have a metatarsal stress fracture. Second way is to go see a doctor. If you see a foot and ankle specialist, you see a podiatrist, you see an orthopedic surgeon, you see somebody that specializes in feet and runners, then they can make the diagnosis for you. They can look at your foot, push on it, and tell you whether or not you actually have a metatarsal stress fracture. The third way the kind of longest, most expensive, most drawn out way is to try to rely on imaging, to get x-rays or an MRI or a study that shows you have a metatarsal stress fracture. Now, the first thing is that x-rays don't show you right away. An MRI can show you sooner, but it doesn't tell you exactly how bad it is. So there are three different ways that you can really do it, but that's the first thing. Step one, figure out and confirm that you have a metatarsal stress fracture before you start trying to figure out how to run on it. Make sure you have the right condition so that you can know what to do and treat it appropriately so you can get back to running right away. Now the second step is to figure out how bad the stress fracture really is. So once you confirm you have a stress fracture, step two is to figure out how bad it really is. There's a whole range of trouble, all the way from just a little irritation and swelling within the bone, a stress reaction or a, um, a stress response, all the way up to a real stress fracture where you're getting a crack in the bone or you actually can see a crack on an x-ray, or the bone's completely broken in two pieces and it's even shifted out of position. It's a whole range of trouble. And not surprisingly, if you're at the beginning of that range of trouble, you have a minor stress fracture, not a major stress fracture, it takes a lot less reduction of stress and consequently a lot less time to actually get it to heal. So that's step two. You gotta figure out how bad the stress fracture is. Now step three is that you need to determine your timeline for healing the metatarsal stress fracture. What I mean by that is you have to figure out what your goal is. You have to think about what your timeline is because if you have a race on the calendar that you need to be ready for, then you need to figure out how quickly you have to heal to resume your training. And that'll also help you figure out what you have to do to maintain your fitness in the time that you're waiting to heal. But you've got to figure out that timeline. And that brings us to step four. You've got to know what your most important goal is. So if your goal is to do the Boston Marathon, 
and that's only two months away, well, obviously that affects your timeline, right? But then you've got to be really aggressive about getting the stress off of that metatarsal bone and maintaining your running fitness while you heal it. So you need to think about really carefully, what is your goal? What is your timeline? You have to figure those things out before you can really proceed. So step three is figure out your timeline for healing and closely associated with that is step four is figure out your most important running goal. Is it doing some race that's a month away? Is it skipping that race? Is that, if that's not important to you, could you skip that race? And then you have another race that's even more important that's six months away. You gotta figure out what your goal is. So before you do anything else, figure out what your goal is, your really most important goal, the thing that's critical to you, the thing that you just really do not wanna give up. You gotta figure that out before you can proceed. After that, step five is you gotta decide how much effort you're really willing to put into healing quickly. This is a lot like training. You know, the, the more stuff you do, the faster you're gonna get better when you're running. It's true of healing too. The more things you're willing to do to make it heal faster, the faster you will heal. Don't think it's a passive process. There's lots of stuff you can do, but you have to figure out how much effort and you're willing to put into this. You've got to figure that out if you really wanna get better as quickly as possible. Now the next few things are really, they're really keys to healing a metatarsal stress fracture. Number six is you have to stop the inflammation in and around the bone. A lot of the discomfort you feel is actually from this extra fluid that's in the bone. So if the bone is in its early stages, like a stress reaction or a stress response, much of the discomfort you feel is actually from extra fluid accumulated in that bone. You gotta get that fluid out. And if you actually have like a real crack in the bone, when you get collagen stabilizing the bone, chronic inflammatory fluid is not your friend. There are degradative enzymes in that inflammatory fluid that actually break up collagen bonds. So as you have collagen forming, you have these degradative enzymes degenerating that new collagen as it forms, and that slows the healing process. So you've got to get the infl inflammation out if you really want to heal as quickly as possible. Now, step seven, this one's kind of obvious, but you need to decrease the stress applied to the bone. There are lots of ways to do that. I go through those all in great detail in the metatarsal stress fracture course, but basically you've got to do something. There's a whole range of stuff you can do. You know, yeah, you can stop running, that's one way, but that's not the only way. You could use crutches, that's one way. That's not what I usually recommend for runners. You could use a fracture walking boot. That will reduce the stress, but it will also cause other problems. So you can do it lots of different ways. You can decrease the pressure by adding pads to inserts in your shoes. You can do it by removing some of the material under the bone. You can do it by wearing different types of shoes. There are lots of things you can do to decrease the stress, but it's remember, it's a stress fracture. If you want it to heal, you need to reduce the stress to that bone. The more stuff you do to reduce the bone, the more activity you can do while it continues to heal. So that's crucial. Step eight is you have to foster healing all day long. This really needs to be top of mind. You need to think about how frequently you're eating, what you're eating, how much you're hydrating. You've got to do everything you can all day long to promote healing and make sure that you're not doing something to disrupt or slow that healing process. And then step nine is to watch for signs of healing. So you do have things that give you indications of healing, like your swelling going down, like bruising going away, the pain going away. There are lots of different things that show you that it's healing. You have to watch for those signs so that you know you're on the right track. That's really, really important. And then at step 10, with each stage of healing, as you notice that you're improving, as you notice it is healing, with each of these different stages, you need to increase your activity. Remember, your goal is to run. Remember like it's step, you know, back in the earlier steps in step uh, four, when you wrote down what is your running goal, 
that's your goal. So if you're gonna stick to that goal and you're gonna stick to your timeline, you're gonna need to increase your activity at every single stage of healing. Remember, it's a continuum of healing. It doesn't, you know, it's not broken on day one and miraculously healed on week six. Stuff is happening all along the way. It's getting more and more stability, more strength, more inherent stability that can withstand stress as you heal. So at each phase, every few days, every few weeks, there's exponentially more strength in the bone. And your goal is to match your level of activity with that level of healing in the bone. That's what you really have to do. So you need to make sure that with each stage of healing, you are increasing your activity to match that stage of healing appropriately. Step 11 is to monitor the bone closely for signs of trouble. So most patients, when they call me, they really want to you know, find some way to monitor this with some kind of technology. They want you know, a bone scan or an MRI or an x-ray that's going to show them that the bone is totally healed. Well, an x-ray can show you that the bone has totally healed, but I, I promise if you wait until you see signs of healing on an x-ray before you get out of a fracture walking boot, stop using crutches, start exercising or start running again, you will completely lose all of your running fitness, so much so that you may have permanent damage from that healing process that's gonna really interfere with your running and make you more prone to overtraining injuries later. So you have to look for another way to do this. And the truth is the old fashioned way, just clinically looking at your foot, looking at it, pushing on it, observing it, is really the way to monitor it. The good thing about runners is that you can feel more and tell more than average people. You know what it feels like to run as a forefoot striker or a heel striker, and that same sort of sense of where your feet are landing and the way that things feel will give you a way to manage this and watch for trouble. Basically, it's pain, bruising, and swelling. Those are the three things you're watching out for, but you have to understand the specifics of how you manage that, how you watch for it, and how you can tell what that really means while you're starting to get back to running. The 12th thing is that you have to adjust the plan and decrease the stress accordingly. So if you see any pain, you see any increase in pain, you have any swelling that comes back, you notice any bruising, then you know that you've applied too much stress and you have to do something to adjust the plan. You've got to be prepared to change direction when something goes wrong. Look, everybody makes mistakes. If you didn't make a mistake, you wouldn't be listening to this right now. So we all make mistakes in training, right? So sometimes, you know, you get sick and then you try to jam a couple of workouts too close together to fit them in so you can keep your weekly mileage total to whatever was supposed to be on your training plan. And maybe you get an overtraining injury. Maybe you run in the wrong kind of shoes just because that's what you happen to have with you when you were on vacation. And, you know, all of these little mistakes can lead to trouble. And so if you make some small mistake, it's not the end of the world. So unless you do something really foolish, it's unlikely that you're gonna undo all of the healing that has been happening in your foot. But you have to be prepared to adjust and change course when necessary, and you just have to be paying really close attention to what's going on in your foot as you're returning to running, increasing your fitness, and getting back to your full running fitness that you had before you got the metatarsal stress fracture. Those are really the 12 steps that you have to follow if you want to heal and keep running on a metatarsal stress fracture. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And listen, if you enjoy this, I want to ask you to do a huge favor for me. Please share it with one of your friends. Send it to somebody who's a runner who you think can benefit from the podcast so that they can keep running as well without injury. And please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts. 
If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.